New Japan Pro Wrestling runs their resurgence show from the torch at LA Coliseum this weekend. The show marks the first major event since launching their U.S. brand. Resurgence is headlined by a double made event, Lance Archer versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and Jay White versus David Finley. Both of those are title matches. My name is Ryan Joy and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, website and database track pro wrestling around the world. On today's show, we're talking about resurgence. We'll give you our thoughts on the matches and on the overall card. We also have headlines from the last 24 hours. Travis Severance is in the house and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 10th, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. All right. Good morning, Travis. Welcome to the Daily Wrestling News Show. Thanks. It's great to be here, as always, on this beautiful Tuesday morning. The news that we're covering this morning is New Japan Pro Wrestling's resurgence show this weekend in Los Angeles. It's at the Torch at LA Coliseum. When I checked this morning, there were exactly four tickets available for sale on Ticketmaster. The show will also be available on New Japan World with Japanese commentary or for $19.99 or in Fight TV with English commentary. So What a deal. What a deal. If you've paid your 999 yen this month for the New Japan World subscription, you can go ahead and watch it with Japanese commentary. So I'm going to do it. Yes. All right. So far we have seven matches announced, but there might be one more match and they have a dark match that they're definitely going to do. But the main event of the show is Lance Archer versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. They're calling it a double main event because they got Jay White and David Finley on there as well. But. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tomohiro Ishii. Those are the names that are coming across the pond from Japan to participate in the show. I start with, let's start with Archer and Tanahashi. I don't, I, they have wrestled three times before and Tanahashi has won all three matches. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy to me. The last time I remember them wrestling G1 2019, am I right on that? I think they were a group B. Most likely. Yeah. And I guess it's not surprising to me so much that. Tanahashi's gone over Archer three times. Archer was in a, in, in New Japan, he was just this thuggish character <laughs> the last couple of years there that just came out and he was like the big American annoying guy. And but usually the, the better Japanese wrestlers would get over on him. And that's just kind of how it went. I don't see that happening here again. Every time we see this United States title or this, this belt. No Japanese wrestlers have held it yet. And I don't think it's going to Tanahashi here. They, they, it's always been held the entire history of it, which isn't long or anything, but it's been held by some great wrestlers is always an English speaking wrestler. I don't know. It would be a, it would be a big surprise for me to see that, especially after him winning it from Mox after so long in a pretty grueling mat main event. Yeah. I think given this card and given the travel limitations and some of the stuff going back and forth and different things like that, I don't know. I, this show is curious to me. Resurgence. Okay. What are we surging to? What do we go to from here? Is this, uh, we, the, and we'll, I know you'll get into it, but the card is spackled with new Japan, strong talent that we've seen. If you've paid attention to it, which I don't know how many views they're getting over there, but it's at a kind of a weird time. It's after SmackDown. Friday nights when they have it and there's great wrestling there, but the storytelling isn't there. And it's the, I don't know, a B or a C show, I guess I would call it. It's not as good as impact, but I would put it in line with a short card MLW, I guess, as far as what it goes, the, the in-ring work is great, but there's not a lot of character there and they haven't injected much of that too. And I don't know, I don't love 
the commentary team over there either. They are bringing in Aiden English for this. Yeah. He'll, so he'll be working, I think with Kevin Kelly on the show. Hopefully Kevin's but, a big anchor over there. Yeah. I will know. Cause I'll be listening to the Japanese commentary. Yeah. We'll hear from like Jushin Liger or whoever they end up having, <laughs> which is weird to me too. We've only got two Japanese wrestlers announced in the card. Like typically the new Japan shows, they have plexiglass up and the Japanese commentary team, which usually halfway through the show or during the break, they sub out some people and we get a whole new thing. And then the English commentary team is next to them. So like, is that going to be the Japanese commentary? Is they, are they going to be live there or is that going to be, are they going to be dealing with what the English commentary team has had to deal with throughout this pandemic thing with the reversals? It's interesting to see how that goes. I will miss Chris Carlton, Rocky Romero, Gino Gambino, and the rest of my favorites over there that I really enjoy. So we'll see. I wish there was a, and maybe they're going to, maybe there's going to be some sort of a payoff or some sort of a story that comes out of this somewheres here. Um, I mean, for me, hopefully it's Tanahashi getting over on AEW programming. I think he would be a good get and I'd love to see Ishii go over and do the same thing on impact. So maybe this is a precursor to do it, a trilogy match or something to that effect with these guys. Um, so this as a main event, you were talking about this, I, I kind of. It's okay. It's not a, a really interesting main event where I think it would lead to tons and tons of pay-per-view buys because Archer, Tanahashi, Archer is a monster and he's on a roll and he just won the title. Tanahashi is, he's the older guy, right? Like he is a huge star. He's a huge Japanese star. There's no question there. Anytime they want to revitalize him, they can throw the whole angle out of does he have one more run at him and he can go and he can do it and mm -hmm. that's fine. And he'll be accepted in that role, but he's not going to beat Lance Archer here. That's they're not going to turn Hiroshi Tanahashi heel either. So it's not like there's going to be some big swerve there. So they just bringing over a big star to wrestle on the card. I think this should have been flipped and the Jay White versus David Finley match maybe should have main evented Tanahashi is the bigger star, I guess. When you look at the history of new Japan, when you look at it from over there, that side, Jay White's a huge star though. And he's, his star is still rising. Whereas Tanahashi is not still rising. It's gone its way down. So you could do the Jay White versus David Finley match. It is the main, uh, uh this is interesting. An ever open weight championship match, Jay White and Finley, you calling for a change or no? I know Jay White's your guy, but man, they've been building this David Finley match since the new so, japan cup so the problem with jay white is he doesn't have long title reigns because he's such a good heel he's so good with it and he's the opposite heel that you normally see a lot of times heels need a belt so the face can chase he didn't need a belt he's just obnoxious and he's all over the place and it's been interesting to see his work on impact because my gosh he's a face <laughs> he's a face on that show and boy do they have to pack a lunch when he's on the promo mic Man, he just obliterated Callus and Omega and the rest of the gang the first night he came out. And like, up your game a little bit, guys, over there. Like, I know you're all over the place and stuff like that, but Jay sliced you up pretty good there. So it's a curious match. The thing about the, the Jay Cup was Jay White talked about the fact that he was 16-1 and one against David Finley all time, which their first year, both of them in New Japan were just, they were against each other a lot. And Jay White killed him a bunch of times. So maybe this is like the David Finley comeuppance and we're going to see this. 
um, happen. It could happen. I, I Obviously, if they're going to try to pay off a title change for the show, for the importance and the relevance of why you need to tune in and you're going to see a switch, I think this is more likely to happen than what we were talking about before, which again, I think that I, for me, as somebody that's a viewer and not a producer, I would have thought the same thing. It would have been more interesting to me if the title change match was the main, because right. I just think that's more interesting than a retention. Now, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's going to be a retention on Archer and somebody's going to come in and there's going to be some sort of an interference or something like that. So maybe that's where they're going to go. But as far as the two matches go, I think the Finley white match should be a better match in general. They've obviously danced with each other a bunch of times. It's not identical styles, but it's similar styles. This I think would be Finley's first new Japan title too. And he's been around. He came in when Jay did. So yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's had a tag belt. I don't think that I don't think ever carried the belts when they were over there. Okay. So he has had a belt, but this is his first singles thing. And it's him sawed away from juice and stuff. And yeah, it's been going on for a while now, but new Japan has been so weird because of the show cancellations and the stretching this out. And we had some, they had some COVID stuff and people had to be off the card and Ibushi wasn't in the main and like all this other stuff that they've been dealing with you know, internally and externally over there. It's, I don't know, like, even when I look at the show, like when it was initially announced, I was like, this is going to be great. Let's see what they decide to do. And now it feels like they're just cobbling things together to get it over the finish line so that they can figure out what else they're going to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought, you know, the resurgence that we were talking about, they have, they announced a couple of dates that they're going to actually tour. So they're going to Philadelphia and they're going to Texas this year. So this is all about the expansion into the Americas for New Japan. This was, this whole strong brand was supposed to be, was announced in 2019 and was supposed to be them really making their efforts and their inroads in the United States. That pandemic came, crushed everything. And they really were able to make a good go of it. And then when you look at this card, it's like you said, they're borrowing some talents from other places because that's what they need to do. And there's really no... There's star power on it, but it's in the bottom three matches, the top three matches, and most of it's borrowed, borrowed talent. So, yeah, um, they're bringing Tomo here Ishii over to face Moose. They're borrowing from Impact. I haven't seen Moose on New Japan like much at all ever. So he's just getting thrown in there to face Ishii. And yeah, I'm curious. It's a curious match. I'm interested in that match. Ishii's style is very much strong style and moose ishii if you haven't seen him before his moniker is stone pitbull because the guy's built like a brick but he's short and moose is a giant former football player monster so it's going to be an interesting clash of styles i think in that match in general um i'm curious i'm i'm wondering if this was part of the forbidden door trading like they just okay you get moose we're going to put moose on 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 one of our pay-per-views you guys will get a little bit of exposure. We'll get a little bit of exposure. It, like Jordan Grace's comments about the Forbidden Door stuff from a couple of days ago were pretty pointed, I guess, is the way that I would say it. But she's spot on. Like New Japan, you don't see any women's wrestling at all. So we won't be getting that on this card. Um, right. Yeah. Jeff Johnson chiming in asking, are they actually building stories with some of the borrowed talent? And yes, with Archer and stuff like that. But the thing about New Japan is there, most of the storytelling happens in the ring mm-hmm. and you like a little angle or something. You don't have the walking out to the middle of the ring with the microphone and start the show and middle of the show and end of the show with promo segments like that. There's none of that. 
usually they have a, a card and you might have one promo after the final match yep. that kind of sets up an angle. So I would expect at the end of this show, you're going to have Lance Archer or Tanahashi, but most likely Lance Archer standing in the middle of the ring, saying something while, with a microphone and out will come his next challenger. And that'll be the big surprise that pushes the whole brand forward. But going back to Ishii and Moose, if they're borrowing Moose for one show, he's not going to lose. So nope. And then the other, the, the other big match, 10 man tag. We've got Leo Rush, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, and Fred Yang and Uemura making his uh, stateside debut. Butchered his name. Yuya Uemura versus Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Danny Limelight, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. So there's some interesting characters in this match, and there's some not so interesting characters in this match. One thing people might notice right away, Leo Rush. I thought he was retired. Tired that he, when he was healthy, he had some dates he had to fulfill with New Japan. So. One of the things that you think they might build for this, this is one of the last times you might see Leo Rush, maybe tune in to, to buy the show. Sure. Yeah. And I think it, just to speak to what you're saying on that match in general, I think if you carve that match up and you just took the interesting rather than the whole of it, I think we'd be in better shape on this match. You could have made it to three and three. You could have seen Tom Lawler versus Leo Rush. For sure. the strong championship or anyone would have been a great thing to have them defend the strong title on. You could talk about the strong brand there. I'm sure they will, but it's a title yeah. match. And maybe the, you know, maybe this will set up the, the next match or whatever. Yeah. So and maybe the Tom Lawler, Leo Rush match isn't overly compelling because we know he's only going to work limited dates, but still going to be a good match. Yeah. So John Moxley and a mystery partner versus the good brothers. That's actually on the undercard. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder if that mystery partner is going to be interesting at all. But like we said, I think last week, Shota Umino seems to be the guy that's in my head. I just don't know if that's like surprise worthy. It's not. And we were talking about our concern with their surprises at times. Could it be Sammy Callahan or Eddie Kingston or something like that? Sure. I think that's more interesting. Probably Moxley being the only real AEW talent on the show. So that matches the third match. Before that, we got a six-man tag. Rocky Romero, Fred Rosser, Wheeler Yuta versus Ren Narita, Clark Connors, and TJP. And then the opener is Alex Coughlin versus Carl Fredericks. So those matches, not a lot at stake there in those earlier matches. So this Moxley match is the first one that's like, that kind of gets the show going. But they might want to reconsider and open with that so that you have something like to start or to kick the show off. Give me a hot start. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway... There's four tickets left if you want to go see the show. And I, I hate to sound down on the show because it's exciting that this is like the the launch of the strong brand. Maybe there'll be some hot angles in here or something like that. But it's I'm a little annoyed about the Japanese commentary thing and not be able to get English commentary. And I but it's, I'm just a little down on the card. Yeah, I the card's just not super exciting for me as far as this is going to be their North American exposure thing. I think the wrestling is going to be absolutely fine. You're going to see brilliant wrestling. You're going to see good matches. The booking is always quality and they will tell good stories in the ring. Um, I just don't think it's as energetic as it could be for a sold out LA Coliseum. It, it's sold out. So apparently there's plenty of people out there that want to see the show because that place isn't small. The torch though. So it's, oh, it's the, there's their adjunct building or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Right. Still, they sold out at high price tickets. Like the, right. Like, um, going to see new Japan, even in the United States is not like going to see your local promotion. They're going to charge you a lot of money to get in the door. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And there's just only four tickets left. Get them now. They made their money there, but 
We'll see how many people pay the $19.99 on fight. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We have one new match for SummerSlam announced. Sheamus versus Damian Priest for the United States Championship. That will be on SummerSlam. It joins the six previously announced matches. So we have what I'm going to assume is the majority of the card now. So Travis, I'll, re- I'll run down to the card. You tell me the match you're excited for. Sheamus versus Damian Priest for the United States Championship. The Usos versus the Mysterios for the SmackDown Tag Championships. Goldberg versus Lashley for the WWE Championship. Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the Raw Championship. Edge versus Seth Rollins. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns versus John Cena for the Universal Championship. Given that lineup, I think my most, I guess my most anticipated match as far as like equality or what could happen is probably surprisingly Seth Rollins versus Edge. Yeah. You know what, what's interesting about that is the winner of that feud. I'm not not sure if it's going to be a one match feud or a multi-match feud, but the winner of that's probably going to wrestle Roman Reigns whether that stretches out until Royal Rumble season, or if that's like the December pay-per-view, or maybe it's the October pay-per-view. I don't know what their plans are there, but one of those two guys is going to be wrestling Roman Reigns next, maybe both of them. But if you want our thoughts, specifically Travis's and the rest of the EWP crew's thoughts on all of the SummerSlam matches, as we get closer, the Essential Wrestling Podcast will have the SummerSlam special on saturday august 21st right before SummerSlam at 3 p.m so you can find out who they all think is going to win the matches that night and we'll share some stories about SummerSlams gone by and things like that so that'll be a really fun show for people to tune into directly before we get to SummerSlam. but i don't know i'm interested in roman reigns versus john cena in the sense that I'm not sure if John Cena is going to stick around for a little bit longer afterwards. How has been Balor's engagement with that match? Because that's been the story on SmackDown. I have some interest in that match. Other than that, I, I think I might be most interested in the match that hasn't been announced yet. And that's, is it going to be Matt Riddle and Randy Orton versus AJ Styles and Amos? Or is it going to be Matt Riddle versus Randy Orton for custody of the RKO? I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised. That was my biggest surprise coming out of Raw last night. Yeah, that, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. So we'll talk about Raw briefly right after the commercial breaks. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out bodyslamclothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at prowrestlingpick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. 
and the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. Currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday, it consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. So, Travis, you brought up Monday Night Raw. I know it's everybody's favorite show of the week, so let's go through the big highlights coming out of the show, one of which we already talked about. Randy Orton returned to the ring. He opened up Monday Night Raw. He closed Monday Night Raw as well. He wrestled AJ Styles in the main event. He won against AJ Styles in the main event, thanks to Riddle, who came down and got almost distracted and whatnot, which allowed Randy Orton to get to the victory. But after the match... Randy wasn't really too pleased with that. Gave him an RKO for the road, and that's how Raw ended. So it left everybody wondering, is RK bro dead? Are they going to angle was with AJ and Omos? Are they going to come together for the one match and be done? Is it going to be SummerSlam, Randy Orton versus Matt Riddle? Don't know. That's a real cliffhanger that they've got there. They built up the team. Riddle carried the thing. Randy hasn't been on TV since basically Mania. They're building towards this tag team feud thing. Omos and Styles have nobody in the background that they're potentially going to wrestle or have the belts taken off from them ever. And what we'll do is we'll split up RK Bro possibly, or maybe this RKO will actually unify Riddle and Orton more. I'm pretty sure Matt Riddle's going to come back for more. He's going to be like, yeah, but Randy, why'd you do that, man? And They'll get back together. I'm almost positive. (laughs) We'll have to just wait and see because the surprises are rolling here. What else happened? Well, a lot of stuff happened throughout the night, but the only other headline that I'll give Uh is that Elias threw his guitar in a fire. He said Elias is dead. WWE used to stand for a walk with Elias, but Elias is now dead. So I don't know if this means... Elias is going to come back as a brand new character or if Elias is going to get cut from WWE tomorrow or what the story is. But apparently after getting hit over the uh, back with a cello a number of times, he no longer wants to participate in Symphony of Destruction matches. So the character is done. Oh, no. I thought he was going to team up with Rick Boogs was my ultimate hope. (laughs) That's probably why he had to give up the guitar because Rick's already got one music guy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Have one music guy. You can't have the honky tonk man and the cello guy on the same show. That's just right. gimmicking yourself out. But there you go. Okay. So that's Monday Night Raw. Moving on. WWE main event this week has some interesting participants. Aaliyah will be on the show. Dakota Kai will be on the show. Odyssey Jones and Austin Theory. So a whole bunch of NXT people were on, were at Monday Night Raw last night. Those are the two matches that are scheduled for main event. And Dakota Kai, who was also announced yesterday, Dakota Kai will be facing Raquel Gonzalez at TakeOver 35 on Sunday, August 22nd. She's wrestling on main event against Aaliyah, so it should be a slam dunk victory for Dakota Kai, except it wasn't. She lost. So Aaliyah got probably her first victory of all time against the person who was challenging for the NXT Championship at TakeOver 35. 
If it wasn't bad enough that Karrion Cross lost his matches to Jeff Hardy in three minutes on his debut, we're going to make sure that there's no momentum for Dakota Kai going in. Nope. There's nothing going on. They're not killing the NXT brand or characters or any of that stuff. This is Storytelling 101, brought to you by WWE main roster storytellers and producers. In fairness, no middle of the It's uh, agree, but, but you have essentially a ringside chair beating your women's championship challenger. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Aaliyah is destined for Monday Night Raw. We know she's a call. She is being called up. That's why she did the whole break from the Robert Stone brand. So the mentality here has to be like, we know Aaliyah is going to be a Raw, so she's going to be the person we're focused on. We brought Dakota Kai in to give her a tryout or whatever for the main roster. She's going to lose here. Whatever. It doesn't matter. There's not consistency in storylines here. Aaliyah never won a match when she was in NXT. And now she's zero. Now she's beating the top contender for the championship. She was waiting for the opportunity. Odyssey Jones, who he was on. Odyssey Jones has to win this breakout tournament if he's the one that they're calling up to uh, to do these dark matches or the main event matches. So whatever. All right. So Major League Wrestling is going to be returning this fall. And when they do, they'll have more than one show. They're going to have two shows. One will be their, their longtime MLW Fusion show. And the second will be something under the Azteca Underground brand. So that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. Something new from MLW. And it makes sense with all the TV deals and stuff that they've been signing. And apparently there's a streaming deal that they haven't announced yet. Hopefully it's one of the other 388 streaming services I already own. Azteca Underground affiliation is interesting to me. The stuff that I did watch from Lucha Underground was great. If they follow some kind of a loose formatting of that, it's interesting in that if the focus of the show is mostly Lucha, you're bringing me a show that's at least different in the way that NWA power is different because it's a studio show and stylistically, we're going to see a different thing from there. Hopefully if they end up staying true to that sort of previous version of that brand. Yeah. Yeah. So you will stay tuned, I guess, and see what the announcements are, but Two shows for MLW. Bobby Lashley is supposed to be the next guest on Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Now, this was advertised for this Saturday, and it's still advertised for this Saturday, but what I have observed over the last several times these things were advertised is that they're advertised for one day, and they don't end up airing, and they air the next week when they have pay-per-view to go with it. So I would imagine the Broken Skull Sessions advertised for this Saturday will actually be on SummerSlam Saturday. Probably. Just my thoughts there. Okay, tonight on NXT, we have Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly face-to-face. That'll be moderated by William Regal. Raquel Gonzalez breaks her silence. This is after Dakota Kai kicked her in the face last week. Ember Moon versus Saray and Ilya Dragunov will be live on the show. This is the first time Dragunov has made it over from the UK. So this is ahead of his match against Walter at TakeOver 35. Let's lay it. Tomorrow, there's a big show for Dynamite. A lot of things advertised, but as Travis and I were talking before the show, there's not like a marquee match here. Jericho versus Wardlow in the fourth labor of Jericho. Nyla Rooms versus Chris Statlander. Good Brothers versus Uno and Grayson. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the Seidels and Dante Martin. Darby Allen versus Daniel Garcia. Wheeler, Yuta, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor versus Matt Hardy and Private Hardy, and then Christian Cage 
will be on the show. It sounds like he's trying to position himself for the championship match at All Out. Anything on there you want to talk about, Travis? There's a whole lot of talent. I, 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 there have been a number of times throughout the history of AEW where I've looked at a card and I thought to myself, boy, that's a filler show and they've ended up delivering. So that's how I'm going to hope that this show ends up coming off. I don't, and maybe it's just the back to back to back quasi pay-per-view vibe that we got for the last three shows and the big numbers, the announcements and things like that. I think part of the challenge for me on this one is that we have the expectation that a lot of new fresh talent is going to be coming in for shows soon. And it feels like they're just getting up to that stage right now. So maybe they're in kind of some kind of a holding pattern right now to not really lighting stories on fire or anything like that, but just finishing off some stuff here and there to start fresh. All out is less than a month away and we don't have yep. anything scheduled for that. Now you have in this, on this show, you have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the Seidel's and Dante Martin. It's possible, I guess, that one that Matt or Mike Seidel could get a pin over the, one of the Young Bucks to set up a match at All Out, but that's not particularly interesting, but I don't know who the Young Bucks will face anyway. And then you've got this six-man tag with Yuta, Cassidy, Taylor versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. Matt Hardy and Private Party and the whole Hardy family office have been all over the place, wrestling with Christian and Jurassic Express and the best friends. So I'm not really sure where they're going to go out of this whole thing, if they're going to be set up for some massive match at All Out. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander is curious. Is that going to be a match that sets up a championship match for Britt Baker? The smart money, I don't know if it's smart money, but a lot of people think Thunder Rosa is a person for Britt Baker at all out, but maybe it's going to be Chris Statlander. It's not going to be Nyla Rose. Yeah, this should be probably a Statlander win, I assume here. And then Daniel Garcia, he's getting, he called out Darby Allen last week and he's getting the match. So there you go. I'm surprised with all the talent that they have. Daniel Garcia, two weeks in a row is on TV for them as he's definitely not a signed talent. He's a Buffalo guy. I love him. He's great work. He's all over the place now. He's that will cert, that'll probably steal the show if I had to guess, because those guys just work really well together in the ring. And he'll be out there with 2.0, which is Everrise. So yeah, Everrise and I'm sure Darby will have a maybe sting or something. Now there should be some angles on this show too, because Rampage is on Friday. It's the debut episode of Rampage. And all we have so far is Britt Baker versus Red Velvet, which is good. It's a title match and everything, but it's not enough to get people to go watch Rampage on Friday night at 10 o'clock. So, well, and so I, I, re I'm really with you on that. I think this is the setup show for Rampage. Hey, we've got this one match with it's Britt Baker in her hometown wrestling. Like, here's some more reasons why you need to tune in on Friday. There's no way they want to go their first week with Rampage and have it be a stinker. I'm surprised that the card is this lacking, but again, I don't know really what the format's going to be either. I don't know how they're going to do that show. It's a completely different commentary team. Oh my God, four people in the booth. Four Mandriarco with Mark Tads. Mark Tads. And Excalibur to hold it down. Like... I, I think this is going to be, I think that's going to be changed after week one. Yeah. I cannot imagine Mark Henry in a position where he's trying to establish himself as a commentary. Meanwhile, Chris Jericho's in the booth who doesn't let anybody get at word in edgewise. And Taz, who's just going to say random stuff. So like, I'm almost on board just for the train wreck that is going to be trying to call that show. That just seems like a disaster. You know what? I have to go back and look. Did they announce that as the commentary team or the announced team? Because that they, oh, well, that's a good point. Maybe. One of those guys is going to be doing interview segments or whatever. Yeah, it could be that. 
but that's still a pretty, that's a full booth well you put chris jericho in a booth it's a full booth yeah chris jericho I, I mean i've enjoyed it when he's on commentary i don't i'm not trying to say that he's not good at the job it's just that he's a full personality and i can't imagine mark henry who's a little bit of, of a softer spoken individual to try to get his commentary at and with Jericho there at the booth, yeah. Maybe maybe the plan is to to have it that way so that Mark doesn't have as much pressure to say stuff. They're just yeah. trying to get him get him seasoned a little bit. So I I don't know. It's interesting. There's the other side of it too. Is it it's a two hour show? No, it's a one hour show. Okay, so they're not doing like the WCW thing, which WCW used to have two commentators for the first hour and two commentators for the second hour. Make it right. feel like it was two separate things and it was special during the break. So that's definitely not happening. Unless it does because halfway through the show to hit that Judas music and get the crowd going. Ah, maybe. I see that. Mm. I can see that. All right. Well, finally, before we leave for the day, we have uh, Triple Manias this weekend, which is AAA's great big show. Omega versus Andrade is not to the main event, but it is for the mega championship. The main event is actually Psycho Clown versus Ray Scorpion in a mask versus hair match. We also have Deanna Perrazzo versus Fabi Apache. Title for title, the Knockouts Championship is on the line against the Raidus Duranus Championship. So, should be fun, but the, as far as I know, there's no possible way for you to watch it if you live in the United States. But I'm sure we'll see some highlights someplace. And maybe oh, their Instagram will be full. And usually they really do the really cool comic book character show is the night afterwards which is a lot of fun because people dress in the costumes and stuff like that and that's always cool to see all right Charles, anything else that we left off you want a lot no all right everybody for travis i'm ryan we'll see you tomorrow john smith will be on the show to talk about whatever comes out of nxt tonight 